My name is Marcy Sklove. Welcome to Going Deeper. Uh, today my guest is Judy Brooks and we are going to have a two-part interview. Judy was born in Cabin John, Maryland in 1944. She grew up in the Washington DC area and then she and her husband Barry moved to Amherst in 1971. They were co-directors of the ABC House, and we'll hear more about that later. And then Judy was hired to be an elementary school teacher at Pelham Elementary in 1974. And she worked in uh, the Pelham Elementary School for 31 years. So that's a long time to um, be part of the school system, and we're going to hear about that. Judy also served on the select board for two terms in the late 80s and early 90s, and she's been on the housing authority for the last 23 years. So, welcome to the show, Judy. Glad to be here. Thanks for coming. I'm going to structure this interview a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Instead of starting with your early life, I would like to delve right into your rich, historic, institutional memory mm. of the Amherst school system. Mm. And um, I really would love to pick your brain about the past and what your experience was, partly because, as you know, we're having some, once again, mm -hmm. some racial issues in the public schools. Right. It's bubbling up in pretty serious way. And uh, it's not the first time nope. we've seen this happening in our town. But it feels to me that if we can broaden the lens a little bit and look at this situation more from the historic mm -hmm. sense of it, not just what's happening right now, we may learn something. Right. And so, it's always good to have history. And it's always good to have history. So I wanted to go back to those years, mm -hmm. 1974, you were hired you know, Pelham Elementary. Pelham Elm. Pelham Elm. And uh, I just would love to ask you to start there. What was that like coming in, being the only African-American teacher? In the town. In, at the that, in the town at that time. Okay. Yeah. It was different, not that it was frightening, only thing that was frightening was, oh God, I'm teaching fifth graders. I hadn't taught fifth graders before. Yeah. I had taught second and third graders. So the part of being black never occurred to me. Yeah. I was going in to teach, to be a teacher. And as time went on, uh, bless her heart, Mrs. Partridge helped me to remember that I was black. <laughs> <laughs> because she was, I don't know, um, kept asking me, was everything all right? Did I feel comfortable? And I said, sure. Now, was she the principal? She was the principal. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, also, she lived, everybody at that time all lived in the communities, and I guess she was prominent in Pelham at the time. And she had taught the kids that I was teaching, mostly, mm -hmm. their parents. So she was like okay. the principal of Pelham Elementary School. And her concerns were, for me and how was I feeling and so I quickly put that to rest and told her I think you better um, 
inquire with the parents because this is going to be their first time mm. dealing with a black teacher. Yeah. So, and I don't know if she had thought about that part, but now I had neither had I because coming from Washington D.C. and I have was already teaching in an integrated situation in Blatonsburg Elementary School. Mm -hmm which was a larger school system. It was, uh, I was in a school within a school, had four schools, hmm. and I was the only black second grade teacher within my school. And at that time, they had one of us, African-American blacks in each of the schools, even mm -hmm. including a librarian was a black woman. So hmm. we had like our little black caucus yeah. or group that we could meet and, um, discuss, you know, to, yeah. to bond because we were separated during the day. Most of the time, the only time we had was either before or maybe during lunch. So coming to Pelham wasn't a big deal being around all white people, you Did know? Did you have, uh, well, a couple questions. Did you have support in that sense of other blacks in the community who... But in Pelham or in... Well, in you were living in Amherst, right? Oh, yeah. Well, in Amherst, I had support because I was in ABC house, so sure. we had that support. Yeah. And leaving Amherst to go to Pelham, I don't think there were any other black people right. living in Pelham because right. everybody was coming down to Amherst to work. Yeah. They either worked... Uh, you had a class system mm -hmm. in Pelham. So you had the parents who were the cafeteria, the, you know, both Amherst College and University. Yeah. And so that echelon, and then that reflected in my classroom. Mm -hmm. So you had this and that. Right. So, so I didn't have to worry thing. about racial integration. I had to worry about social class. integration yeah. of classism. Yeah. yeah. So that put a whole different focus on into what I was, you know, dealing with. Yeah. Which also helped me to grow as a person to understand how high it just ain't black white. Right. Okay. Right. So as it went on, I never felt any ramifications of being there. Just, you know, I had to we eased our way into mm -hmm. the school system and with open house and getting to know the parents and mm -hmm. so it was a slow process, but in the long run it came out good. Sure. So then... Tell, tell us about Donald Frizzle and oh, the, superintendent. the superintendent. Well, I first learned about um, Pelham when I used to go to being in the ABC house. I would attend school committee meetings, and mm -hmm. he always talked about how he enjoyed going to Pelham for the school committee meetings because it was so nice and calm and peaceful. Okay, that's when I first heard about it. When I went in for my interview in 1974, back then, they had all the principals come to hear the one candidate. Mm -hmm. And all the candidates were there, but never did Mrs. Partridge. She don't stand out or um, made herself known. Mm -hmm. So when I got the call back and said I had two offers, one in Fort River and one at Pelham, and I could go and visit. So I went to... Um, both schools, and was waiting. Mrs. Parchers was the first to pull, and Don Frizzle called me in and says, you have to go to Pelham. She mm. wants you in Pelham. Mm. So I said, okay, because I had interviewed at um, Fort River, and mm -hmm. it was a larger school situation and larger class. I said, I've been this before, so let's yeah. try something new. So Smaller. I went to Pelham, and it was small, and they didn't even have kindergarten. It was one through six, mm -hmm. and I was going to be the fifth grade teacher. 
the sixth grade teacher was um, Peter Javickus. Uh, Mm. So he helped me through and got, you know, taught me how to do. But the thing that really was amazing to me was, was your curriculum. Because coming out of a larger school system, you knew what you had to do, whatever you want to do. So I said, okay, what does that mean? What subjects do I, besides reading and math? Oh, we have social studies and da-da-da. So I kind of like inter- Mm-hmm. disciplinary my curriculum to approaching the goals of their school, sure. you know. So it was a normal curriculum, and as time went by and things began, I looked around and there wasn't any celebrations of any kind or any mentions of black history or mm-hmm. whatever. So I introduced to Mrs. Partridge the celebration of Martin Luther King mm-hmm. and got the school involved. And that time, at the same time, Mary White and I were working on the breakfast, Martin Luther King okay. breakfast that started at the junior high school. Sure. So I was like the school contact from the Martin Luther King committee to see that the okay. schools were participating. So then I thought about how could we get every school participating and that thought came out with the Placemats. Every child could mm-hmm. make a placemat as they're learning about Martin Luther King and design their placemats that we would use for the morning breakfast. So wow. that's how that came. And then each school, I don't know what each school did, but Pelham, I started celebrating Martin Luther King at the fifth grade level because that was the older group, and we watched the films and the videos, and we did the history. And then at the end of a culminating activity to show mm-hmm. what they had learned, we had a program mm. where we would invite the community in, and nice. that was the beginning of... Um, now, th- th- that that's all happening in the classroom and with the breakfast and everything. Right. But I want to sort of steer the conversation a little more to, in terms of the whole school system. Okay. And, and yeah. Donald Frizzle was, was um, setting up other initiatives, Well, that right? came later. As I became oh, okay. more involved with the Teachers Association yeah. and getting in committees, we, I, I worked with a committee of teachers and parents called the Cultural Diversity Committee. And Donald Frizzle was the superintendent at that time. And what, what years and was that, This roughly? was maybe 78 on. Oh, okay. okay. Because we wanted to bring in, because of the experiences that I had with the school system, with the ABC guys and the other few black parents that were here dealing with the racism mm-hmm. of not allowing students to participate or the guys to play basketball mm. in there and uh, and so we eventually got my ABC guys on the basketball team and the green guys played the first black hockey players. So from the Cultural Diversity Committee, we started looking at our school system and said it has to be more diversified. I don't know if anyone remembers, but there used to be a Confederate flag painted on the walls of the high school. Oh, wow. So that was our first encounter. Yeah. With the committee, and at that time, Don Fritzl was the superintendent, and we wanted it down off the wall. Yeah. So that began the rumbling of, and then every June, mm-hmm. they had to go in with the soap and the water and the scrub brushes to erase 
and go home, with wow. all those kind of things at graduation times. So, so each, that was going on in the high school. High school. Back in the late 70s. Mid 70s from, I would say, 78 on. And um, using so, the N word, N, go oh, the home. N, oh yeah, and then there was a, even in the 80s. I remember with my son coming home, talking about the South will rise again. They started a group, uh -huh. 80s at the high school of kids, white kids, starting the whole thing and the Confederate flag thing. Oh my God! Came back, so it, it went from doing that. So the Cultural Diversity Committee is observing all this because we have parents and teachers. Okay. How, what can we do to bring the community and the schools together? Mm -hmm. So from that point on, working with Don Frizzle, we started developing the multicultural idea of thought coming into diversity. Mm -hmm. And we started out um, looking at curriculum. So we would have our curriculum days, got that. Then we looked at affirmative action we brought in Rance Quinn from the State Department of Education who helped us to formulate our affirmative action goals to put into place. Right. Then we hired or um, set up the job description for Jackie Beers, the, the culturally diverse yeah, person. To do recruitment. Right, and then as the school year went on, we then asked the administration, Dodd Frizzle, Ron Bell, Bob Murphy, uh, Jack Heffley, that they and we uh, tied in with um, Bob Suzuki and other professors, Sonia Nieto, mm. who were in the UMass Education Department dealing with multicultural education. Yeah. So then we became a collaborative wow. around the issue, racism, but at that time it was more culturally diversity. Mm -hmm. And from there, working with the administration, getting them on our page of understanding um, what we were talking about, blending, and back then we didn't have the diverse um, racial group. It was more just black, white, okay. with some Asians. Yeah. Um, we had Bob Suzuki and a few other, because we had the connection with the Japanese. Right, um, Sister City. Right. Okay. So that went on and it was going good, and we started integrating on our curriculum days with Frizzle meeting with him, we would get permission or he would encourage mm -hmm. us to set up our curriculum, show you how to integrate those mm -hmm. goals into your so curriculum. So putting all of the multicultural education into each curriculum. In, into from, yes. Yeah. And we started out with social studies first and then spread out. Okay. And then through the years, there was a teacher by the name of Sonia um, Wexler. Mm. who was a high school English teacher, and she had written a folk tales book of multicultural okay. stories. Yeah. So and um, we then went back to the committee and said, let's start giving out her book to teachers who are reflecting our goals and understanding what multicultural education is. Okay. So that process started. And then... It sounds like you guys were really on a good roll. Yeah, and then the, Gus Sayer came in. Before, and yeah, yeah. that was in, I don't know, late 80-something. 80 80s, yeah. Late 80s. Late yeah, 80s. Late 80s, yeah. Okay. Hmm. So what the, happened when Gus Well, when came? Gus came in, we, you know, said we already had this committee. 
called Cultural Diversity Committee, and Anna Watt was one of our parents who worked with us. We had other parents. We would go work to Vermont because Vermont had a multicultural type of program that they were running. Yeah. And we would go up and get books to bring down to have book fairs uh -huh. at Wildwood Elementary School to show how diversity can be in children's books as well. Okay, so when Gus Sayer came in, we went and met with him, kicked us to the curb because he didn't know us and da 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 And we invited him to our meeting, so we kept meeting. And Jackie Beers was still on board and kept trying because we had the central connection. Didn't want to come to our meetings. And so we said, okay, what else are we going to do? He came up with the thought of BAMS kind of thing. Yeah, I wanted you to talk Become about Becoming a multicultural school, school system. At the same time, we were having issues, and I was a selectman at the select board. Mm -hmm. So in 92 now, um, the town of Amherst decided that they wanted to incorporate more of a BAMS type of um, um, philosophy because we, as a group of parents, noticed that there weren't any of our students being hired to work in the local stores mm. at that time. Oh. So we had no reflection. Our income was coming in there, but we didn't see hmm. reflection, even down to um, stopping shop. Okay. Couldn't mess with stopping shop because it was in Hadley. But we had Louise and a few other stores wow. and Archie Kent and um, where CVS now was another type of drugstore yeah. and other restaurants. So, you know, so the issues that they're dealing with today are the same issue multiplied by more of a higher sure, intense racial group. And because there were Band-Aids or Band-Aids put on what we did just to keep them happy and quiet mm. all came off. Okay. And then as administration changed, Somehow, the thought of BAMS or cultural diversity, multicultural, kept getting push, push, push. The new teachers who came in didn't have committees the way we had committees. And what about the recruitment? What about it? <laughs> How was that going? Well, I did. Jackie Beers and I recruited, mm -hmm. and I had friends who were at Howard University. Um, NCCU who worked in the career planning okay. offices and they helped me set up and I even went back to my alum Bowie State which is a black college okay. uh, geared in education to set up recruitment unsuccessfully mm. because we were in competition with larger school systems that could offer you a $10,000 bonus wow. just for signing okay so Jackie Beers and I brought all of this back and met with the administration and said, look, if you want us to, then this is what you're going to have to do. Give us more than a threefold brochure right. or something. Give us some incentives that we can say, if you come, we can give you this, we can give you this. Right. Nothing. We tried working on the Culture Diversity Committee on landlords, apartments, mm -hmm. cleaning stores, some kind of gift certificates. Nothing. So if um, my philosophy then, looking around Amherst, and said, why would I want to bring a young black person into a community that had no support? Yeah. 
So it, would, it was really hard for me to go out and say, come. Sure. But I didn't have any incentives. So later on, we got back and said, well, in order for us to do this, then what can we as a system to say to a student or hiree, uh, what incentives do we have? So working with the university again, we started giving out um, tuition waivers for you for to go masters. back for masters uh -huh. and finish off and things like that. So that the, the teachers could come with a bachelor's degree. Right. And then they Whatever could the certification and requirements okay. for evaluation, then within so many years, you like three years before you became tenured, you had to show oh, okay. that you were meeting those goals. And you could get that education for free at UMass right. through this incentive program. Yes, and as that went on. And now, is that under Frizzle or under Sayer? Frizzle, and part of Sayer. And part of Sayer. And as they got their degrees, they went, which oh. was, you know. Right. They didn't stick around. They didn't stick around like I was a permanent, which was different because I was married with a family and had kids. These were younger people who were coming in, mm -hmm. getting their advancements and moving on to what they were, which you don't blame them. Sure. But trying Well, you don't blame them, especially if there isn't a vibrant black right, community. Right, right, when there's no support here. here. Yeah. And there was nothing for them socially, you know, other than coming to my house for dinner and playing with my kids <laughs> or something like that. But for a young black person coming into, and especially if you didn't have any ties to the university other than taking graduate courses in the evening and coming home. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of hard. Yeah. And for an active black person coming out, a student coming out of an active city looking for where the parties is like, excuse me, you know, there are no students. Now, I want to, we don't have so much time, right. so I want to get back to this question about BAMs because I was involved yes. in that a little right. bit. And the school committee back then voted it in, correct? Right. And it, was total, it has like It was a, a total. It's a, Unity. It's a strategic plan. Right, to get everybody involved on the same page. Yeah. With things that people could follow and see. Even the town. We had uh, the town manager, because at that time, the select board was looking at and created the Human Rights Commission. Okay. Because of the issues that we were dealing with racism. Yeah. And hiring practices with the fire department, public works, and the police department. Okay. Fire department and the police department jump right on board, and you see there's been an increase. Mm -hmm. If DPW has hired anyone, there was only one black person, and at the time the manager of DPW said whichever one would cut the mustard would get the job. Uh -huh. So we had one that was able to cut the mustard. And I don't know who's down there now. But in the schools, is there anything in that BAM's plan from then, I know it was kind of like a watered down thing by the time it got, you know, finished. Focused, yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, it was voted in by the school committee. Yeah. Is there anything in that plan that could be applied to the issues now? Sure. Respect and social justice, the whole thing. It's all in there. I, I mean, if you look at it, mm -hmm. it's no more than And it just, doesn't I mean, need to be ratified again. Well, I, it may have to be ratified change for the newness of social justice and the issues that they're dealing with okay. now. But the racial things are still there, respecting one another, and even to the fact that I think when Gus Sayre was the um, superintendent, we had to have a goal within our evaluation okay. for the year. 
what are we, how are we going to meet our BAMS goals? Oh, yeah. So the principals were aware. So that's why we said it was a total. Right. And even school committee knew. And town, you so know. So at this point, given that we are in. Yes. Deep doo doo. Right. <laughs> and even it's if we not go even back, funny. I I'm know, not but even if we go back to BAMS, look at that. Both schools, since we now have the connection back again with the town and the school. Right. If they bring back BAMS, just to review it. Just and to review it to and go see, from there. Everybody would be on the same page. And then maybe it could be more... Community uh, yeah. involvement, because everybody would be on the same page. Mm. Everybody so would know. And that's what I would say, mine too. I would say we start with BAMS, but bring it into the 21st century. Exactly. Starting as a starting place. It, it's a foundation, mm -hmm. and we all need a strong foundation. Well, especially, it seems like there's a lot of polarizing right. going yes. on right, right now. Right. So if there's a foundation that we can move forward. And my foundation is having respect for one another. Mm -hmm. We can all disagree, but we can all respect. Yeah and understanding our disagreements. But keep it at a level that we can all also make some improvements and some mm -hmm. advancements and mm -hmm. move ahead. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, we live in a town that... Very diversified. Very diverse. But there is a, a sort of undercurrent of like, progressiveness mm -hmm. and caring about the, the spiritual or the, you know, faith-based sense of, of how to be with people. And that's all culturally based. And that, yeah. And that may come from the cultures that are intertwining. As I said, back then, it was black, white. Yeah. And it wasn't any of that. We were just dealing with the real racial discrimination issues that were right in front of your face every day. Here, the same issues, but as I was saying before, the teachers that are coming in now, I don't know if they have any history background or are informed or whatever or yeah. asked to or be aware of, or this is what we do, information. Yeah. It seems like it's all scattered mm -hmm. across the board. So if we can all come together again as this issue, it's not the first, yeah. probably another 40 years, and this one has been a 40-year oh, issue. That'd yeah. be another 40 years. But as we move on, new things come in. Right. And that's why I said we look at it in a different yeah. focus, but respect all the other issues that have um, ramifications. Yeah. Judy, we're going to stop part mm -hmm. one now. Thank you for this. Oh, yes. This is exactly what I was hoping oh, for good, good. to really see more good. of the broad perspective. Right. And it is broad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So thank you all for joining us. Yes. And we will continue this in part two. Take care.